From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, NextGen, it's Alana Phillips here with Sid Misra from Beacon Financial and Nick Nielsen from Know My Plan. Thanks for joining me today, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. So Sid, I'll admit this is a little bit of a trap. I invited you here today because I want to talk about the worst moment of your life here with our listening audience. You failed your CFP the first time. I know that because you posted it online, which we appreciate. And really, I think it lends itself to a conversation we want to have today about how do we help our next gen folks with our experiences. So you posted this live to the world, Sid. Why did you do that? And what came out of it? Yeah, I, uh, I took my CFP exam in March of 2020 and ended up failing it and decided that I was going to share that with the world on LinkedIn, just I think as a way to be a little bit more authentic about who I am, right? I'm, I'm a human being that fails and I'm in a world of kind of the highlight reels on Instagram and LinkedIn and seeing everyone doing so well. I just thought that it may resonate with people if they saw a failure. And then me recognizing that failure and then trying to come back from that and accomplishing what I set out to start, you know, a while ago. Alana, do you mind if I ask Sid a question? Go for it. Sid, I also failed the CFP exam the first time. So you're not alone. We're also in a secret society of people who failed their CFP the first time. <laughs> That's a large secret society, Nick. <laughs> Did you do a review course before you took the exam? I did do a review course, but I think the issue was I relied too much on that and I didn't prepare enough for that. So when I went into the test, it was pretty apparent within like the first five to 10 minutes that I was not prepared for the exam at all. And so that was, it was a tough six hour test to get through the rest of it. When you took the exam, was it one day or two days? It was one day split into two parts. Yeah. When I took the exam, I also immediately knew within five minutes, I had no shot of passing, but it was a two-day exam. Oh, no. Four sessions of pain. It was a uh, character building. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Nick, I appreciate the interruption there because I think this is what we have to do more of. And Sid, thank you for sharing your experience with that. I did not know that Nick had failed his CFP until you shared that. And so... Our next-gen folks need to hear that, right? I think sometimes the generations that have come before us have felt like they need to hide these things or it, it makes them a bad advisor or something, but the secret society is a very large, Nick, and, and very active. So in terms of how we can continue to help our next-gen folks, it seems like there's a bit of a scarcity mindset in sharing things like this. Nick, how have you seen that in your career really manifest itself amongst advisor peers? Yes, when I first got licensed 15 years ago, I worked inside of a bank channel. And really your target market was really the fiefdom of that local bank branch. You didn't think outside of those 200 households that banked at that local branch. So there was such a scarcity mentality that nobody wanted to help anybody else. We were fighting over the same households. And then I think what's changed is, you know, the internet of things is that it's just as easy for me to do business with somebody in Minnesota or Maine as it is my next door neighbor. Because I believe, I truly believe that most clients are looking for the very best advisor for them anywhere in the country. 
Yeah. It sounds like you've helped yourself maybe develop a bit of an abundance mindset. And Sid, you and I talked about that from your, you know, CFP post I had posted, I didn't pass my series 66 the first time. And I had a number of folks reach out to me about it that were studying for the exam or had failed too. So Sid, you had folks that, that asked for your help. Can you talk a little bit about those conversations and and what you learned from them? Yeah, there's, you know, uh, again, like uh, I just found out like you, that Nick had failed. So there's a lot more of us out there than you realize. I think it's important again to have those conversations. And yeah, I I made it a point that when I did pass, I would make myself available to advisors who are studying or who want to get into or get the CFP designation, right? What's the process? What would it entail when you get to the end of it and you have to take the exam? How did you do that? and, And how did you study? I am one of those people that I believe you should pay it forward. So anytime that, you know, you can accomplish something, I think it's good for you to hold the door open and try to help people get through as well. And that's just kind of my mentality. So I told all of those advisors who I spoke with, you know, I'm not looking for anything in return other than you do the same next time that you pass, right? So pay it forward when you pass and let's just keep continue that going. That's, I think, a great attitude to have. And Sid, I know part of why I was drawn to you even in a digital world, right? We kind of find our, our people who have a like mindset, but let's take a short break. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Interested in incorporating a goals-based approach to how you deliver financial planning and investment advice? Well, the Wealth Management Certified Professional designation will help you get there. Elevate the value you add for clients at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. Welcome back. Let's pick up our conversation where we left off. I know I had a a young woman who reached out to me from my post saying she was studying for her seven and she didn't know why she was studying for it. And I got on the phone with her and we started talking about it. And she had folks in her firm that would not share with her what an advisor does or really this end game that she was working for. And, And my mind was just blown, Sid, that these advisors at her firm who had hired her and were helping to train her and get through this wouldn't share their experiences with her. So why do you both think that advisors aren't willing to share, Sid? I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to Nick's idea of the scarcity mindset, and it's the old way of thinking, right? Your immediate backyard is where you find clients, but I don't think people are fully understanding or appreciating that now our our backyard or our neighborhood is literally the entire world, right? Or, you know, for advisors here, it's, it's in the U.S. who we can work with, but still, like, the borders are not there anymore, and so there are more people out there that need help then there are advisors who can provide that help. And I think just understanding that is going to be the first thing that, you know, would help each other. Nick, what do you think? Why are so many advisors not willing to share and to help? My experience has been that most advisors actually are willing to put in the time to help. But if I was in that young woman's situation, you know, I would run you know, friends of a feather flock together, you know, Sid and I, if we wanted to, we could create a virtual financial planning business today and we could be incredibly successful and we've never met and we could work in different states. So you have to find your tribe, find people that you're comfortable communicating with and, you know, embrace them, search out peers 
that are going through the same things that you are going through. And I think you'll find a wonderful community of people that are willing to do whatever they can to help you out. I'm glad you've had that experience. And I wish that was the case for most of our next gen folks. But I think you both hit on something, you know, we've talked about in a previous episode that our listeners could should go check out about digital networking, right? That's how you can find your tribe. Your tribe doesn't have to be in your firm. It doesn't have to be in your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be anywhere geographically, you know, situated near you. It can be anyone at any firm all over the US. So I guess I'll ask you, how do we continue to help maybe advisors like you want to share their experiences and and want to be better helpers? I think this program is a great place to start, right? You know, this podcast is a way that's bringing next-gen advisors together. Thank you for this shameless plug, Nick. I I didn't even pay you to do this. (laughs) But, you know, there's, there's LinkedIn groups, there's Facebook groups. When I think about my tribe, the people that I speak to on a weekly basis, none of them even live in the same state as I do. So you, you don't need a hundred people to surround yourself with. You need five to 10 great people who are going to lift you up on the bad days and people that can celebrate the victories. And you can find five to 10 people that you're wildly passionate about sharing the good and the bad of the business with. They're out there, but you also have to put in some of the work. You've got to put in the work in, in reaching out to people. They're just not going to come find you. So I always tell people that I can't help you, but I can help you help yourself. Fair. I think that's fair. Sid, you are shaking your head. Yes. About finding your tribe. How have you found your tribe within the industry or or maybe not even within the industry, other folks? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just being yourself, right? I mean, I, I like to help other people. I think I'm naturally drawn to people who want to help others, whether it's other financial advisors, other people in, the, in different industries. And so, you know, LinkedIn for me is a great place for that. It's super positive. There are people that are really supportive. You would think, you know, one of the biggest things about fears people have about posting is that they don't want to get judged. They're worried about what others are going to say. And now I found LinkedIn to be the most supportive platform, right? People are going out of their way to support you. So they're there, just like Nick said, you know, go find them, right? Put in a little bit of the effort and you'll be surprised at how many people are going to be willing to help you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. So it sounds like We need to continue to do a good job of sharing our experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of our industry. And so thank you both for leading the way in terms of sharing your experience. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Alana. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services. 